We're reading here in Proverbs 4 and also Proverbs 18. Now I'm going to read this to you in the King James and then also the Amplified. Proverbs chapter 4. And then we're going right directly from there to Proverbs 18. In Proverbs 4, 20, he said, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health, or the margin says, medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Or the Amplified there says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it, out of your heart, flow the springs of life. Now he says this in connection with talking about healing, doesn't he? Because, you know, the very previous verse said, you know, his words are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. And immediately when he gets through saying medicine to all their flesh, he says, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of your heart are the flow and the issues, the springs of life. Now in the 18th chapter of Proverbs, you see something else along this line. Proverbs 18, 14. He said, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? Or uh, as the Amplified says, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Now according to this, what is going to get you through physical attack and even life-threatening problems? A strong spirit. Is that true? It's Bible fact. Not only will a strong spirit get you through physical attack and problems, a strong spirit will get you through financial difficulties. That's right. A strong spirit will get you through uh, marital difficulties. A strong spirit will get you through problems with kids. A strong spirit will get you through problems and difficulties on the job or in your career. A strong spirit will get you through ministerial setbacks. Is that right? A strong spirit will get you through anything. I said anything. If it's true that a strong spirit will get us through problems, even what uh, medical science might say is an impossible situation, hopeless situation, but a strong spirit will cause you to overcome it and come out and be healed and live anyway. Overcome it and have success and mobility and health and strength anyway. If that's so, and the Bible says it is, then we ought to be very, very interested in getting and maintaining a strong spirit. Amen. But you know a lot of folk are not really 
they're not really conscientiously and consciously striving to get a strong spirit. A lot of people do not even know that they are a spirit. <laughs> Much less trying to build up their spirit. Really, that, that's a great revelation to a lot of people. I am a spirit. Brother Hagin said uh, years ago, as he first began to understand these things, he used to sometimes, just in the morning when he's getting ready or something, just look in the mirror and say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. See, what's he doing? He's building that consciousness into himself. Because, see, the tendency is to just be aware of the natural, the physical, and just be body conscious or mind or mind conscious. But you're not just a body, nor are you just a mind. Now, a lot of the professionals, not all, but I said a lot of the professionals in the education fields, science fields, etc., they only recognize man as having two parts. Physical and mental. Do you know that? And that's why that the knowledge of man that's taught in universities and what have you is so limited and so ineffectual when it comes to certain things. And there have been uh, billions spent on the development of the human body, reaching certain goals, breaking certain records. You know, running, swimming, jumping, diving, hours upon hours, developing the body, molding, sculpting, shaping, strengthening. And on man's mind, billions spent so that people can learn and develop and think, become sharp, have understanding. But so many times people have not done one thing to develop their human spirit and that's the most important part of your being. I said, that's the most important part of your being, is your heart. Now, when I say heart, you understand I'm not talking about your blood pump. You remember Romans 10.10 10 says, for with the heart man believes. Is he talking about your blood pump? You believe with your blood pump? Well, you can't believe with your blood pump any more than you can believe with your kidney. Or you, you can't believe with your liver or with a lung. No, that's not what he's talking about. The heart has to do with the center or the core of your being. The inner man. The inner man. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and look at this verse of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now I'm going to read this to you out of the King James and also out of the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He said, For which cause we faint not, for though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Let me read that to you from the Amplified. He said in the Amplified, he said, Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Did you hear that word? Do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, 
exhausted and wearied out through fear. Well, you see a lot of things right there, don't you? If you're looking. Though the outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self, or you could say inner man, is being progressively renewed day after day. I thought that's real good. Think about it. Listen to it again. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, wearied out through fear, though the outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self, or we could say inner man, is being progressively renewed day after day. There is an outer man. And there is an inner man. Right? In fact, there, there's scripture uh, in Daniel that refers to the body as the sheaf. Sheaf. Now, you understand what a sheaf is for a sword? Anybody know what a sheaf is? Scabbard. Anybody know what that is? Holster. Anybody know what a holster is? <laughs> well, you know, you've got a, a sword is not safe to carry around, just stick down in your, in your belt or, any, or whatever, if it's razor sharp. You need something to put it in. Have you seen a sheath for a knife or a cover that you put the blade in? Well, see, so many times that sheath is made almost identically like that sword, except it's bigger, it's a little different. But, you know, when you put the sheath on the blade, it almost looks like a blade. But it's not, but you pull the sword out of it. Sheath. And the body is called a sheath. That's Revelation right there. And when you die, guess what happens? <laughs> the sword is pulled out of the sheath. You see that? Well, I said when you die, the sword is pulled out of the sheath. Or, another good illustration, is a hand and a glove. Some gloves are elastic. Are stretch type gloves and they're real form fitting. And I mean, it almost looks like your hand. But it's not your hand. The glove is not a hand. The hand's in the glove. Right? And if you didn't know better, especially if it's a form fitting glove, and some gloves are even somewhat transparent, you can see the color of the hand through the glove and the shape and texture of the hand through the glove, but still the glove's not a hand. If you didn't know better, you'd see that glove moving. You might think that glove's alive. But if you pull the hand out of the glove, the glove is dead. And James says the body without the spirit is dead. I say sometimes somewhat humorously, you're sitting there now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. The Bible uses other words. The Bible calls your body a tent. 
It's the tabernacle or the tent or the temple, the house, the building that you live in. I heard it one time called your earth suit. You know, if you go out into outer space, you can't exist out there unless you got a space suit, right? Well, if you saw the man in the space suit, you didn't know, you might think, well, that's the man. Well, no, that's the space suit. The man's in the space suit. And if you're going to live on earth, you've got to have an earth suit. Amen. That's this body. You lose your body, you can't stay here. And you either go up or you go down. But you don't hang around here. Let me elaborate further. See, there's people that talk about haunted houses and haunted properties and where that so-and-so was killed there or murdered there back, you know, years ago and that their spirit still wanders around that place and haunts that place. Not so. I said not so. No way. No way. When you lose your body, you don't hang around. You can't stay on planet Earth. If you're saved, you go up. If you're lost, you go down. But you don't stay on the surface. There are no people that lived in times past that are roaming around on the surface of the planet. Spirits without bodies. It just does not happen. Somebody said, what about these people that, that claim that they've seen these people, though? They have seen familiar spirits. There are demon spirits. Sometimes these spirits were familiar with these people that lived. And they, you know, even in some situations, they try to pass themselves off as these people. And that's why so many people get deluded and taken in in these seances and all this kind of stuff. Well, we got contacted my dead husband. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. They're deceiving, deluding spirits. If you listen to them, well, well, nobody could know that except my husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, spirits that followed him around. They know stuff his mama didn't know. <laughs> Are you with me? But just don't believe all that. Don't believe all that. The only human spirits that are able to operate on this, the surface of this planet are those who have bodies. You lose your body, you lose your right to be on the surface. You have to go. But I just said all that to say this, there's an outer man and there's an inner man. Which part of your being is more important? The inner man. This outer man, he said, is decaying. We don't like that, but it's just a fact. That doesn't mean that it's got to be decomposing with sickness and disease. It's just talking about we're mortal and the aging process. And you may not like to think about it. I might not like to think about it, but we're getting older. Is that right? As time passes, there's going to be a new wrinkle here or there. No, another gray hair. Or three or four. Right? But... That shouldn't bother us. You know, I don't want to live down here forever anyway. <laughs> what about you? I mean, compared to heaven, this place is a garbage can. But now we got a job to do down here. We got a course to finish, a race to run. 
And we need our body in good working condition so we can do that job. And we have a right in Christ to health and strength so we can complete our course and, and finish our race and do our job down here. But this body, it's mortal. You know, the body, the physical man, the outer man, is not going to just be growing stronger, stronger, stronger every day, every year. You're actually growing older and actually wearing out. You don't like to think about that? I don't like to, but... But the inner man doesn't go that way. Inside, you never grow old. Never. You are not in an aging process and in a decaying process inside like you are outside. In fact, as time grows, you should just grow stronger. 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 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, you should just be stronger than ever on the inside. Amen. Amen. That's one reason I look forward to growing older. And say, well, don't, don't look as if you're older. You might say, well, don't, Brother Keith, don't, don't, you don't want to grow older. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. For one thing, that means you lived. You stayed alive. Is that right? But for another thing, I, you know, I know, uh, of course, I'm, I'm a young man. But I wouldn't go backwards if I had the opportunity to. Why? Because even though you might cut off a few years physically, it wouldn't be worth the trade-off of losing the knowledge of God that you have. You understand? And uh, the more knowledge of God you have, the higher quality of life you live. That's why I don't look back. Don't want to go back. I want to go forward even though it means getting older the longer you live. Fine, so be it. So be it. Because you don't grow older on the inside, you just get better. Stronger. 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 The inner man... The outer man. And just like the outer man can be strong or weak, the inner man can be strong or weak. It took me a little while to discover that and realize that. You'd think you would know that, but... You know, it seems like some people are confused. They almost talk like their spirit is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Really, I mean... Of course, if you ask somebody, is your spirit the Holy Spirit? They'd say, oh, no, no, no. But they almost leave the impression that my spirit is omnipotent. My spirit, you know, has strength and power without end. And my spirit knows everything. And my spirit, no, no, no. Your spirit is a human spirit, limited. Now, you've got inside you the greater one who's unlimited. But that's not you, that's him. He's another person living inside of you. And he can quicken you with some of his strength, but that doesn't make you omnipotent. And your spirit can be weak. Your spirit can be strong. Your spirit can be somewhere in the middle. And your spirit uh, needs to be and must be renewed. Did you see that word? 
renewed, the Amplified said progressively. Progressively renewed day after day. I know uh, a few years back, some years back actually, as I began to get busier, began to have more speaking engagements and more services and more things that we were doing, there would, I, I got quite busy and there'd be times that I'd speak, you know, 20 times in a week. That's a lot. If people have never done that kind of thing, then they don't know. They think, well, you know, you're just standing up there talking. I mean, what's, what's the big deal of that? But it really, it takes more out of you than you think. I've done hard physical work. Grew up on a farm. I mean, I've loaded freight out on the docks. I, I know what it is to work hard. But there's been times when I was, you know, busy with ministry. I'd look out the window sometimes and think, man, it'd be a lot easier digging a ditch than doing this. <laughs> it's a different kind of work. It's a different kind of exertion. Now, you know, I went in home several years ago and some saw some relatives I hadn't seen for a while. They asked me what I was doing. I told them. They said, uh, you mean you're not working? <laughs> Because their, their idea of what I was doing is just, you're not even working. And you know why people think that way. Because you got so many folks that call themselves ministers that are just goof-offs. I mean, play golf all week, and watch TV and do nothing. And, and then Saturday night, get out to Reader's Digest and, and write down a few things. And Sunday morning, give a little 20-minute nothing. <laughs> Call that ministry. And that's why people think, well, man, you know, ministers, that's, that's like doing nothing. But if you do the ministry like it ought to be done, it's work. Amen. I said it's work. It's real, it's real work. And, and I realize, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving out all the time, giving out all the time, giving out all the time. Twenty times is a lot to minister in one week. It's a lot. And that prayer, you know, when you're praying for people, counseling with people, laying hands on people, preaching and teaching, it takes a lot out of you. And uh, there'd be times I'd do that all during the week. I'd go out on weekends, teach, preach, minister, come back. Of course, you got, you know, you're flying, your time change, eat everywhere, everything, and, you know, get in Sunday night at midnight. Got class in the morning at 8.30 and just feel tired. So, you know, I come in Monday, get, go to bed early, eat good, get some extra rest. But then Friday, by the end of the week, I'm still tired. Still tired. Really tired. Well, I've gotten plenty of rest. I've gotten plenty of sleep. I've, I've eaten plenty. And it really, it took me a little while to realize, hey, you're not just tired on the outside. You're tired on the inside. Your spirit has been depleted. And I had to realize that I'm not just supposed to take care of my outer man. I've got to take care of my inner man. I've got to uh, build up the inner man. And so the Lord taught me some things that I'm teaching you now. And I, you know, I've done it some of the time. Some of the time I hadn't done it. And uh, I know, what was it? Last year, a year ago, during the summer, not this summer, but the summer before last, 
the Lord dealt with me to build myself up during the summer. You know, sometimes during the summer I don't speak as much. Sometimes people think, well, I mean, y'all don't do anything during the summer. Well, uh, I usually minister seven, eight times a week during the summer. That's my rest period. <laughs> and <laughs> plus, plus we got tons of paperwork in the summer. Ton, I'm talking about stacks like this every day. People think you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs or something. You know? <laughs> and really, I'd rather preach than do paperwork. I don't know. You know. <laughs> but that comes with the territory, you know. And uh, the Lord dealt with me, not this past summer, but summer before. Build yourself up, you know. Spend extra time in the Word, prayer, etc., etc. We're going to talk about how to do it. But, you know, I didn't really do it. I, I did a little bit, but not, not much. And I might say, well, how come you didn't do it? Well, how come you didn't do it? <laughs> Same reason you did. Same reason. But then, you know, sometimes, even though you're, you're not that strong, if you don't have much going on, you make it okay. But then, if something comes up, and then you're in trouble. Well, when September came, fall came, and my first term, I got six courses. I got something every hour, healing school in the afternoon, things on the weekend. And I was just too weak. And my immune system was shot. And I had flu symptoms and this symptom and that symptom. And it's just hard for you to whip it. And I knew I was wrong. It wasn't like it a great, was a great mystery to me. I knew Boy, it's you. You didn't do what he said. You didn't build yourself up. Now you're weak. Now you're in trouble. But praise God, the Lord's merciful and good. I got to building myself up and got to repenting and asking God to help me. And he did. And it wasn't long. We just pulled out pretty quick, you know. But, but see, that's why people get in trouble. I said, that's why people get in trouble. And the more you give out spiritually, the more you got to take in. I said, the more you got to take in. That's why sometimes ministers talk about burnout. Well, they're burnout. Well, the only reason a minister would be burnout is because they're disobedient. You know, they're trying to, you know, trying to minister effectively and, and kind of half backslid in their personal life. I don't care who it's me or whoever it is. It's true. God does, is not some kind of hard taskmaster that he just runs and drives people till they drop. Amen. No sir, no ma'am. When people do that, they did it contrary to the leading of the Holy Ghost. God's trying to get them to do something else and they won't listen to him. Disobedient. I've been stirred up to do something before and the Lord tell me, go to bed. Oh, you're all set to jump into this and that and the Lord said, go to bed. I don't mean I heard a voice, I just knew inside me. No, not now. Rest. Go to bed. Take a nap. If you listen to him, you'd never get run down. I said, if you'd listen to him, you'd never get run down. Amen. Never. Never. But so many times people are, are not really taking care of their spirit. Even sometimes people that take care of their body. They don't take care of their spirit. You know, you really are. You ought to take care of both. But if you're going to let one slide... You ought to let the body slide more than the spirit. Because the life that's in the flesh comes out of the spirit. 
Did you see what he said there in Proverbs 4? Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard it above all that you guard and keep. Because out of your heart, out of that inner man, flow the issues and springs of life. The life that's in your body is coming out of your spirit. Of course, the life that's in your spirit came from God. But see, even, even unsaved people have a spirit. And the life that's in their flesh is coming out of their spirit. Well, if your spirit's weak, it's going to be like the hose of life flowing to your body is crimped. Or the force is cut back on the faucet, you see. And the weaker your spirit, then the weaker your body and the duller your mind. But the stronger your spirit, then the more vibrant and full of life your body and the quicker and sharper your mind. Because the life that's flowing into your, to your mind and your brain and your body comes out of your spirit. How many want to be full of life? Just, I mean, just up to the brim and overflowing full of life. So you can just jump up and go to church and run go preach the gospel and work hard. Is that right? Be quick and sharp and comprehend and understand. Not be a weak, wimpy, dull, slow Christian. But a strong, sharp, vibrant, full of life. More than a conqueror, overcomer. Right? But that's a person with a strong spirit. That's a person with a strong spirit. I want you to notice something that Paul said and, and then notice something uh, in a neighboring verse here. Paul said by the Spirit of God, he said, For we would not, this is 2 Corinthians 1.8, We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure... Above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Did Paul experience some weakness during this time of his life? Yes, he did. I mean, he's human, right? And in certain situations, you can uh, feel weak. But notice. Notice the expression of that and the response of that. He said, we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we what? We despaired. We despaired. That's a sign of weakness. Despair is a sign of spiritual weakness. Or say it like this, an indicator that your human spirit is weak. Strong spirits don't despair. It's a weak spirit that's despairing. How many know what despair is? Help me out here. What is despair? Yeah, I heard hopelessness, giving up. That's Yeah, that's all right. Did you get to the place where you think there's no use? Why go on? You know what's the point? It's too late. It's too far gone. There's no hope. What is that saying? What is that revealing? Your spirit is weak. Your spirit's weak. Notice in the fourth chapter again, the same book here, 2 Corinthians 4. You hear the spirit of faith. 
And you hear the spirit of a strong human spirit. Like we said, strong faith comes of a strong spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.8 He said, we're troubled on every side. Yet not, or but not, what? Not distressed. We are perplexed, but what? Not in despair. This is strength, isn't it? This is strength. I want you, I'll talk about those two for just a moment. Do you have to get distressed when you have trouble? No. Do you have to despair when you're perplexed and don't understand? No. 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 This is a great revelation right here. You can have trouble come from every side. Do you have to get distressed? No. It's easy to get distressed. All you got to do is nothing. And you'll be distressed. But if you operate in faith... And if you operate strong, you won't get distressed. Paul said, trouble? We got it. <laughs> On every side. We got trouble from the north, the south, east, west, northwest, southeast. We got trouble on every side. But am I distressed? No. No. I have the peace of God. And the joy of the Holy Ghost. Was Paul strong? He experienced Moments of weakness like any of us might. But he was a strong man. Not just strong physically. We're talking about strong spiritually. Strong. And you, I mean, you hear a lion's roar in these statements, don't you? Don't you? We're troubled. We got trouble everywhere. But I'm not bothered. Don't bother me. Like he said over in Acts, none of these things move me. Have you got any things? Yeah, i got lots of things. Do they bother you? No, they don't move me. They don't move me. I refuse to be moved by them. They don't move me. They don't move my heart. They don't shake my confidence. And he said we're perplexed. You ever been perplexed? What's perplexed? Perplexed is when you have this question mark over your head. <laughs> and you're thinking... What's going on? <laughs> Why is this like this? Why isn't this like this? Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> but just because you're perplexed, do you have to despair? No. You can go, we don't really know what's happening here. But God's on the throne. Right? I mean, God is still on the throne. He's still looking out for us. It'll be all right. Well, why, why is this? I don't know. But just because you say, I don't know, do you have to be despaired? How many of you can say, I don't know, in a lot of different ways? I don't know. <laughs> or, I don't know. Completely different attitudes. Just because you don't know doesn't mean it's the end of the world. <laughs> you ever seen people though? When they say we don't know, I mean they're crying. We don't know. We don't know. You can say we don't know without crying. We don't know. So? So we don't know. So? God's on the throne. Still. He knows. If he knows, I don't have to know everything because he knows. 
I may not know, but I know somebody who does. Amen. 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 And he will tell me what I need to know. And there's a whole lot of things I don't need to know. No need me bothering my little mind about it. Just enjoy life. Perplexed. But not in despair. Evidence of a weak spirit is despair, discouragement, depression. When you get down. We use that phrase, don't we? Well, you know, if, if somebody's dealing with a physical problem, sometimes you ask, well, you know, how's so-and-so doing? Well, they seemed a little down today. What does that mean? Weak spirit. The spirit's weak. We say it sometime, uh, well, the spirit's weak. Weak spirits. But really, that's just a manner of speaking the way people talk. You can say it like this, their spirit didn't seem to be too strong. How can you tell if somebody's spirit is strong? Yeah, peace. Is that right? And joy. Amen. Hope, or another word for hope is expectancy. Anticipation of things to come and about to come on the scene. Glory. Glory. I mean, we're in the Christmas season. Gift-giving season. How many remember as little children, did y'all have Christmas at your house? Hmm? Did Were you ever in any anticipation? Oh, brother. Especially if your folks made you go to sleep Christmas Eve. They wouldn't let you see anything. Boy, I mean, you wake up, see if the sun is up, you know. Is it morning? <laughs> anticipation. Can hardly go to sleep. Just tingling with anticipation. You know why? Because you're in faith. That's right. You are in faith. That's right. And because of your faith, you are expecting. You are expecting presence. Expecting presence. I mean, you're not surprised when you bound down and look at the Christmas tree and there's presents under there in the morning. You're not surprised. You're excited. But not, you, you wouldn't say, oh, there are presents here. There are, no, you expected there to be presents there. You would have cried if there were no presents there. You, you fully expected the presents to be there. Why? Because you were in faith. You were in faith. You saw no presence, but you expected those presents to be there. And that made you happy, not sad. And when you believe you've received, and you're expecting there to be changes in your body, you believe you've received, you're expecting changes in your finances, it doesn't make you sad. It makes you glad. If you're sad and depressed, that's evidence you're not expecting. You're not expecting good. You're expecting things to stay the way they are, get worse. If you're really, truly, genuinely expecting them to get better, that would make you happy. That'd make you glad. And then, didn't the Bible say, you know, that the joy of the Lord is our strength? 
What kind of strength is he talking about here? That's, that's spiritual strength. It affects your body. But it's spiritual strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. No such thing as being a strong spirit depressed. Just doesn't happen. If you are depressed, that's an indication that you're weak spiritually today. But praise God, no matter how weak you are, you can get built up, you can get strong. You can wipe away your tears and shout. Amen, you can. I said you can. How many of there's no future in feeling sorry for yourself? It is not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to keep you back from the revelation you need. Keep you back from the life and help you need. I want you to understand now that God is not moved by people wallowing in self-pity. This may come as a, a total revelation to some people. But God does not look at people who are so depressed and, and just giving up and go, poor baby, look at them. i got to do something for them. If God moved and met people's despair, God would be moving all over the world right now. Manifesting miracles in people's lives because there's despair all over the world. Despair does not cause God to move. Crying and feeling sorry for oneself does not move God to do anything for you. Now that might have worked with your mama. <laughs> that you poke out your lip. Cry, big old crocodile tears. And mama just come and scoop you up and do it for you. But I'm telling you what, God's not going to do that. No, sir. In fact, the more you feel sorry for yourself and the more you gripe and complain, the more it irritates Him. It doesn't move Him to come on and scoop you up and bless you. It irritates Him. Now this is a whole teaching within itself. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? Because there are folk that all their life, that's the way they've operated. That's how they get what they want. By pouting. <laughs> you know what God thinks about pouting? Not much. <laughs> It irritates him. It really does. I mean, why? Because it is a manifestation and an evidence of unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. And it actually, unbelief and doubt actually angers the Lord. If you're persistent, you know, persist in staying in it. It actually angers him. But there are people that their whole life long, that's, you know, that's how they've gotten what they wanted. As a child. Soul up. Pout. Pitch a fit, anger, self-pity, wail and moan, mope around. And then you used to, you got 20 and 30 and 40 year old babies. Do the same thing. 
They do. Mope around. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> and they're wanting somebody to come along behind them and go, Oh, baby, what's wrong with you? Did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, tell me what I did. Well. <laughs> if, you, if you think that you're going to do that with God, you got another thought coming. He won't, the, the thing is, he won't even listen to that. He, he will not even hear it. You can call yourself praying, and he won't even hear it. Crying and big old crocodile tears, feeling sorry for yourself, lip poked out. God won't even hear it. He won't even pay any attention to you. He won't. Why? Because it is not of faith. It's all doubt. It's all unbelief. If you don't come to him in faith, he will not respond to you. He just will not. That's the way he has ordained it. That's what he likes. That's what he wants. That's what he is, has required. That's just the way he is. There's a lot of revelation right here. A lot of revelation right here that a lot of folk have never gotten. A lot of times people don't realize it, why it gets worse. But see, you start doing that with God and, and he's going to pull back from you. You start getting mad because this is not that way or that's not this way. You start getting aggravated, sulking, sullen. You're going to get further from Him. Amen. You're going to have less grace. He's going to help you less and less and less the further you get that way. And the more aggravated and mad and put out you get, the harder He's going to get with you. Let me say it another way. The more negative you get, the harder he'll be with you. If you're being negative, he just won't even talk to you about it. He truly is a faith God. And I mean, he, re he absolutely requires it of us. It is not an option. He didn't say, try and believe if you can. No, 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 no. It is a requirement. You must. If you want help from Him, you must be positive. Positive. And you must operate in faith, which is, goes hand in hand. Positive. Positive. It's a habit that you can break yourself from. Amen. It really is. If you have children, any of you, get them started off right. And don't let them learn a lesson that sulking and pouting works. Because you're preparing them for all kind of hard times in the future. Because if they grow up that way, they'll get to thinking that God will work with them like that. And He will not. Or you pout with Him and you just do without. You must be positive. You must have faith. You must believe. 
know not everybody gets that excited about that, but I'm telling you, it's a, it's a fact. It's a fact. You got to come to him positively and say, Lord, I know you're a good God. I know you love me. I know your word is true. And I know that if I ask you to help me, you'll help me. I know you will. And I'm not looking to go down on this because you're with me and you're for me. And I'm going over and I know you'll help me. And I know you're good to me. And I'm asking you and I'm looking to you. Amen. And I'm saying that I'm going over. I'm more than a conqueror. We'll beat this thing. We'll, you know. And when God hears that, not just exactly those words necessarily, but that spirit, that spirit of faith, He will draw nigh unto you. He will grace you. He will help you. Because that's faith. It's positive. You come in squalling, blowing your nose. Oh God, nothing's working right. Nothing is happening with me. If you think he's just going to swoop down and scoop you up in his arms and say, poor baby, just get it out of your system. Go on, cry. Cry. He'll look at you and say, you know better. You know better. Quit that feeling sorrow for yourself. Quit it. Straighten up. Stand up. Gird up your loins. What did I tell you? Well, no, that's a problem. What did I tell you? <laughs> well, you said you'd supply all my needs. <laughs> Well, do you believe that or do you not? Yeah. <laughs> well, you sure don't look like it and sound like it. <laughs> anyway, we're still talking about evidences of a weak spirit or a strong spirit. What the Bible said that your strength is the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you think of joy, do you think of positive or negative? Positive. 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 When people are being negative, you don't think of them as being joyful. Being joyful goes along with being positive. I want you to go with me to Job real quickly. Can anything good come out of Job? <laughs> it's the Word of God. So it's good. Just because it's so misunderstood doesn't mean it's not good. You know, I, actually, I had somebody one time tell me that they act surprised. I quoted some things from Ecclesiastes. And they act surprised. They said they didn't, you know, they didn't know if really Ecclesiastes was real canon in scripture or not. <laughs> and as I talked to them, I think they changed their attitude about it some, but uh, just because you don't see everything and understand something in the word doesn't mean it's not a good word. It's not nothing wrong with the word, just something wrong with your 
seer and thinker, perceiver. Job 22. Let's read this. You see some evidences and some fruits and results of having a strong spirit. Job 22, verse 21. He said, Job 22, 21, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace, thereby good shall come to thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be what? Built up. Now, now think about verse 22. He said, receive the law from his mouth. Lay up his words in your heart. And return to the Almighty and you'll be built up. You'll put away iniquity far from your tabernacles. Then you'll lay up gold as dust. Gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. The Almighty will be your defense. You'll have plenty of silver. Somebody said, you, you take that literally? Yes, literally. Literally. Do you know that your prosperity is more dependent on the degree of your faith than anything else? That didn't go over too good. I said, your prosperity is more dependent on your degree of faith than anything else. If you get strong and get built up, then you, it's easy for you to believe and expect that this and that will come in. Let me go a little further. Do you know you can tell where your faith level is financially by what figures and amounts look big to you? <laughs> it's just a fact. I know over the last 10, 15 years especially, as my faith has grown in that area, there are certain amounts that used to look big to me that don't look big to me now. But of course, there's still amounts that look big to me. And that's the way it always is in growing in faith. You know, years ago, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, a certain, this certain amount, I mean, it looked big to me. But now, that amount, you think, well, sure, that'll come. God will bring that in. No, no problem. And see, everybody, it's a different amount with them because everybody's at different levels. What might be easy for one to believe in is hard for another to believe in. And so you can tell where your faith is at in these areas by what looks big to you. See, and you, and you can locate yourself by your mouth. Can't you? <laughs> you ever heard somebody say, $500? <laughs> is that faith talking? <laughs> $2,000? What did we just hear? What revelation did we just get? Their faith is not up to that level. Mm -mm. No. Because if it was, how would they talk? Yeah, 2,000? Yeah, God can get that to us. Yeah. Sure. It'll come in. We'll have it. We'll have it. No worries. No problem. We'll have it. When you sit there thinking, two thousand, where am I going to get two thousand dollars? <laughs> That's doubt. 
That's unbelief. How many understand the same thing is true concerning your health? Hmm? And when people hear, and, and when they say, cancer, oh God, cancer. See, what, what does that mean? Their faith is not there. Why would cancer be any harder for God to heal than something else? Hmm? Does God kind of get nervous when somebody comes to be healed of cancer? Hmm? Well, yeah, but see, that organ, that organ is, is already destroyed. But I mean, you know, that, that nerve is gone. See, when people are talking in those ways, it shows their faith is not at that level. But when you look at it and you go, well, God can fix that. Sure, I mean, I mean, if it was up to me fixing it, it would be hopeless and impossible. But thank God it's not up to me fixing it. He's the one that does the work. All I got to do is believe and expect. So how many understand everybody's at different levels of strength of spirit? And therefore different levels of faith. And what's easy for one to believe is hard for another to believe. Because people are at different places. But the good news is if you'll start feeding your faith and your spirit and exercising and developing your faith and your spirit, you get to the place where what is now difficult for you to believe will become easy for you to believe. How many like that, that thought? I mean, it's a, I've seen it in my own life. It's a fact. It's a fact. I used to, you know, certain things ministerially used to just, you know, kind of intimidate you. You, you kind of dread having to deal with it. <laughs> but now you just don't blink an eye. You just think, well, hey, sure, God will do that. Sometimes people think faith is something you have to strain at and work up. But faith is a rest. I said faith is a rest. It has a real matter-of-fact attitude like, well, hey, yeah, God will do it. Sure, sure. It's not like, we're believing. Mm, it'll, yes, come on, come on, come on, come on. Is that rest? This works. You know how faith, faith is a rest. And faith says, don't worry about it. It'll be here. Don't worry, it'll work out. It'll be all right. Don't worry, don't worry. We've prayed. We've asked God. We've said the word in faith. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You watch. It'll come. It'll work out. It'll be all right. A rest. A lot of times faith is just, it has a real matter of fact air about it. Not cocky, not ungrateful. Just, well, sure. Yeah, God will do it. Watch him. Yeah, he'll do it. Amen. Will your rent be here? Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm watching faces now. <laughs> huh? <laughs> How are you going to make it through Christmas? <laughs> Uh-oh, I saw some cringes. I saw, I, I saw some winces on faces. I, huh, Christmas. Brother Keith, I was trying to forget about that right now. Uh, 
That's, that's not, faith doesn't stick its head in the sand and play ostrich and hope it goes away. Because it's not going away. Everything's going to be fine. We're sowers. We're givers. Plenty is coming. Is that right? We'll have plenty. Pay all our bills. Catch everything up. Get ahead. Buy the presents we need to. Travel. Do what we need to. Is that right? We're expecting. We're expecting. You know, I've used this illustration before. It'll, it'll bear repetition. I think fishing is a good example of faith. And all the fishermen said, Amen. Amen. See, you, you knew that was more spiritual than other folk thought. But, but I'm talking about line fishing. Line fishing. You got a pole or a reel and a line, a hook, lure, whatever. Faith is, and receiving is so much like fishing. First of all, you got to believe that there are fish out there. <laughs> is that right? Because if you don't, you wouldn't even bother going. Is that right? you you got to believe. Of course, you don't see them. But you got to believe that they're out there. Then you got to go. And you got to cast your line out there. Is that right? And you got to hook one. I said you got to hook one. And then not only do you have to hook one, but you got to reel him in. I said you got to reel him in. Get him in the boat. Just because you hooked him don't mean you're eating fish tonight. Right? Just because there's fish out there doesn't mean you're having a fish fry tonight. Just because you hook a fish doesn't mean you're having fish tonight. You got to hook the fish, you got to reel the fish in and get the fish in the boat before you're going to have fish tonight. Listen, the same thing is true with healing. Just because there's healing out there doesn't mean you're going to be healed. Just because God's a healer and it's His will for you to be healed and healing's bought and paid for doesn't mean that you'll have healing. Nor just because you hook some healing does it mean you're going to experience healing. Because you got to what? Reel it in. Now see, you have to have faith and believe that healing is there. Is that right? That He took your infirmities. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. By his stripes you're healed. It's yours. It's bought and paid for. It's part of the all spiritual blessings and heavenly places given to you. But it's not enough that it's there. You've got to hook it. How do you hook it? By believing that you receive. That's how you hook it. Amen. You believe that you receive. When you do, you believe you got something on the end of your line. Now what do you do? How do you reel it in? Expecting. I said expecting. You believe you receive, and then you just keep expecting, 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 until up out of the water it comes, and you see it and you feel it. 
Can you see that? But now listen, here's another part of the illustration. How many understand that some test line is stronger than others? <laughs> Sometimes you have to say one thing to say something else. Do you understand that? You have to lay some groundwork. And you know, uh, have you ever seen one of these little Snoopy poles? Little Snoopy reels? How many ever saw a Snoopy reel? Just about yay long, little bitty thing for kids. Now see, you go offshore fishing with that. <laughs> and you cast out, you know, 100, 200 pound something, grab a hold of that. You Even if you hook him, <laughs> you're not reeling that in. Because the Snoopy pole just ain't up for that. It just, it just is not there. <laughs> right? But the stronger your faith is, the further out you can reach, the bigger thing you can hook into, and the bigger thing you can pull out. Amen? But just because you can't haul out the, the, the biggest tuna around doesn't mean you can't eat fish. Right? If you have to, pull out that four-inch brim. Right? That's fish. You eating? Is that right? <laughs> pull out that, that eight-inch fish. And all the while, keep developing your faith. Is that right? Then pull out the two-foot fish. Pull out the three-foot fish. And the four-foot fish. Right? And as your faith grows and develops, you know what you formerly was hard for you to, to believe in, now it's easier for you to believe in. But now the question is, how is your faith going to get stronger? How is your spirit going to develop? And that's what we're talking about. Something that you need to understand, like the Bible said, Romans said, you know, that for with the heart man believes, it's also with the heart that man receives. Faith is of the heart. Strong faith is going to be the product of a strong spirit. Just like great strength is the result of a strong body. I mean, there's no such thing as saying, so-and-so, you know, they got a weak body, but they're real strong. That can't be. If they're strong, they have a strong body. And if a person has strong faith, that's evidence of a strong spirit. Can you see that? And I've used this illustration before, but, but it'll bear repetition. Uh, one of you fellows, come help me. Come on up here. Bring your Bible with you. And I want to demonstrate to you, again, some of you, about the significance of receiving and how you receive. I'm going to say that this brother is representing the Lord, and he's holding out this Bible to me, and this is representing healing. And uh, I'm going to receive. So many times people are, you know, crying and begging God to heal them. Please, God, heal me. Please, God, heal me. Please, Lord. 
Heal me. I'll try to do better. I'll try to live right. Please heal me. And then try to turn in requests. Y'all pray for me that I'd be healed. We're all praying. Please, Lord, heal us. Please, Lord. Working on God's end. God, do something. God, heal. God, bless. God, do something. When the, There's nothing wrong with the sending in. We need to work on the receiving in. But how many understand that I, I, can, I can just get upset and go, I don't understand why God won't heal me. I've prayed, I've fasted. God, why won't you heal me? Done everything I know to do. But if I'm going to enjoy healing, what have I got to do? I've got to receive it. Mark eleven twenty four says, What things serve you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them. And you'll have them. And that word literally means believe that you take. Believe that you take them. At some point, if I'm going to enjoy healing, I've got to see that healing is mine. Believe the fish is out there. Or fish are out there. Believe healing is there. And then by faith, lay hold of it. Say, Father, I thank you. I see that healing is mine. And in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive it. And with your spirit, you take it. You hook it. Now what am I doing? I believe I've received. And I'm expecting. So I believe I've received on the inside. And I'm expecting to see it on the outside. Expecting to feel it. Right? We got it hooked. Reeling it in. Expecting to see it in this realm. On top of the water. But do you understand that it takes a certain amount of strength for me to reach out, lay hold of this, and take it to myself? And so many people don't even know that healing belongs to them. They've never even been taught. But other people, they know it belongs to them, but they're too weak. They say, well, I know healing is mine. And uh, I, uh, huh. they're so weak that they're not able to lay hold of it with their heart. So you've got to get the spirit built up strong enough so that you can reach out and lay hold of it and receive it. Take strength to do that. Let's trade places now. He believes he's received. Hold on to it. You believed you received on the inside. You don't see it yet on the outside. Isn't that the way it works? Believe you receive, then you see it and feel it. But once you do this, is that the end of it? Or will the enemy come and try to uh, get you to cast your confidence away and get out of faith? He'll come. And he'll try to get it from you. He'll try to say, hey, look at this. Look at your body. Feel the symptoms. What about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? Hmm? Feel this? Look at how long it's been. And all the time, what's he trying to do? What's he trying to do? You see? The, the enemy comes to steal the word. Is that right? We've, in the parable of the story, he talks about that. And what does it take to hold on to it? 
Huh? I mean, how many understand this can happen all day, all night, all week? Is that right? All month? Is that right? It's just depending on what you're believing for. I mean, that's what the Bible said, through faith and patience. And that word patience really means perseverance and our endurance. Endurance. If you're going to endure, you've got to be strong. And so, I mean, this takes strength. And that's why so many times, even if people, if they're strong enough to receive, they're still not strong enough to hold on to it long enough. And after they believe receive for a little while, they get weary in well-doing, and they get to looking and think, well, I thought I was healed, but I guess I'm not. What happened now? They hooked their healing, and they reeled for a little while. Mm. <laughs> and after a while they thought I'm never going to get him in and so they just cut the line well you're not eating fish right you got to be strong enough to receive and then you got to be strong enough to hold on to it and resist the enemy, resist the contradictory symptoms and feelings and depression and things that would come against you, and hold on to it until. And just keep expecting and reeling until. If it takes a day, two days, two weeks, two months. Just as long as it takes. But both of these receiving from God and resisting the enemy, both of them take what? Strength. Of spirit. This is not something you're doing with your body per se. We're illustrating it with the body, but this is something you do with your spirit. Thank you. Can you see that? Do you understand that? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.